Hi, friends. Welcome to the Story Forge podcast. I'm Lyle Smith, your host, and uh, this is the fourth episode of our first season called Outbreak Edition, uh, where we talk to business owners and business founders about what inspired them to start their businesses, how they got involved in the businesses and careers they're involved in. In addition, we're talking to, uh, to them about how they're navigating the coronavirus, COVID-19 challenges of uh, social distancing and being closed in some cases, if they're moving more online or if they're closed entirely you know, and how they're challenged to um, take care of their employees during this time too. There's been a lot of talk this week about the uh, SBA PPP program that ran out of money just a few days ago or a day ago and um, and how the, the Congress may or may not uh, be working hard to fund that program again. And hopefully they will. Hopefully we'll get past this and hopefully more small businesses will get the resources they need to get past all this. Today's talk is with Dr. Christina Carter. Uh, I talked to her about a week ago or so. So the, uh, some of the things we talk about are a little bit earlier on uh, during the crisis. But she's a, uh, a, a pediatric dentist in Morristown, New Jersey, who has been practicing for 15 years and has her own has had her own uh, her own practice for four years. Uh, and we sometimes forget that our professionals out there are business owners too. They're not just providing a service. They're not just a one-off kind of a office. They have payroll and employees and all sorts of the same challenges we all have in business uh, to, to maintain and survive and thrive. And her customers, because she's a pediatric dentist, uh, her customers, so to speak, are mainly children and sometimes special needs children, uh, sometimes adults as well, uh, but mainly mainly children and uh, young people. Uh, and uh, she has some really interesting insight into what's going on in the New Jersey, New York area. Also, uh, what's going on to challenge in her particular industry and how she's overcoming it. Uh, one other interesting thing is her brother is uh, an upper level person at Bellevue Hospital, one of the premier hospitals in New York City. And she talks to us a little bit about what Bellevue has been doing during the crisis and how they've dealt with it, which is really pretty fascinating. So um, here we go. So how's Callie doing now that you, now that she's home all the time with you? So you're loving it? <laughs> yes and no. I've got to say, you know, for a very social dog who's used to either being in the office interacting with, you know, 50 to 75 people a day right. to days when she's not in the office to being with three to five to seven other dogs, helping to train those other dogs to be, you know, um, good citizens. Dogs. She is kind of in withdrawal, and I think she's a little tired of me. Like the first oh. three days, she was good with, you know, downtime, and then she was like, "Where are the people? Like this is this is weird." That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Ours are uh, we're having sort of the opposite because uh, uh, our golden retrievers are goofy and love people all the time anyway, and now we're home all the time where we weren't, and they're just they're 
bouncing off the walls a little bit. And the cats are, uh, they're, they're, they've become very cuddly, which is oh. odd. <laughs> odd and fun. They're really, they're sweet cats. They really are. But it's, it's neat because it's all affecting, you know, all of us in different ways. It is. It's, what's interesting to me is I actually see a little anxiety in her where oh. if I get up to leave the room, she's in the past, she never, you know, she'd pick up her head and look and yeah. be like, all right, that's good. And now she's kind of like, where are you going? What, what do you mean? Where are you going? Don't leave me. Uh, don't leave me here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thing. They, they, they pick it up. It's, uh, they, they take their cues, I guess, from, from what's going on around them. They're uh, masters uh, of routine. Yeah. <laughs> and the routine has certainly changed. Yes, it has. Yeah. So, yeah. And you closed March 16th. I went back and looked yes. uh, at your posting. Um, so, you know, you have this, this busy practice in Morristown, New Jersey. And uh, I saw your post about, um, we actually stole some of your language for, for my wife's business when she had to close her business too. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Because it was so well, it was so well expressed. I have the education there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so that's been a while now. That's been three plus weeks. Yes, yes. It's and been, how's it feeling? <laughs> feel like I've lost my purpose. Oh, I know. And it's very, it's very hard. Yeah. You know, it's the first two weeks were a flurry of anxiety and decision making. <laughs> and there, there's a car. <laughs> I hear. I hear. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of the unknown. How long are we going to be closed? And what do I do with my team? Right. Or how I refer to my employees. Sure. Um, and how do I take care of them? What are we going to do? Is this going to be two weeks, four weeks? We don't know. Um, how do I deal with my patients? How do I tell my patients? Right. How do I manage any you know, emergencies that come up? It was very anxiety-ridden. Mm -hmm. And I tend not to be an anxious person. Right. And colleagues, there were more group chats and Zoom chats and colleagues coming together are you closing how are you closing what are you doing what do you right. do and it was pretty pretty nerve-wracking i don't think i slept those first you know that first week the american dental association really and the new jersey dental association a subsect mm -hmm. um, really rose to the occasion and gave us wonderful advice they um talked about what are the best things to do for your employees not from the, not just from the what's best from the doctor's financial, but what is going to put your employee in the best position financially during these troubled waters. Right. And that was a huge thing for me. Uh, I ended up laying off my employees, um, which I felt like I had failed them, even yeah. though I knew it was the right thing. Yeah. Um, I can't do what I do without them. Mm -hmm. And I cherish them and value them as people, but also as, you know, the building blocks of my office. Right. And I'm only as good as my weakest team member. Mm -hmm. And um, they knew I was really heartbroken. And after we had the discussion and I explained why and all of this, I felt so much better when I had supportive 
text messages from them saying, I know this is, this is soul crushing for you, but right. we know you're looking out for us and you're doing the right thing. And these are just crazy times and we're going to get through and we're Carter smile strong, you know, right. <laughs> and we're going to do this. Good. And all those times of, you know, me trying to support them, they were there supporting me. And so it, it lessened the blow, but it was really mm -hmm. like, you know, you've worked all your life and so hard in school and strive to always do everything right. And you just don't know what's right anymore. And right. you, um, how could everything that was going so well, just poof, disappear right. in, in a blink right? You know, with an unknown ending. It's not like, okay, we're definitely going to be closed for four weeks. It's, we don't know. Yeah. There's so many unknowns in all of this. And I, I've, I've talked about this with a couple other people, um, how, what struck me or when it struck me, I guess, was, was when the jobs report came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, the, the second bad jobs report was even more shocking in numbers. But the first one was like 3.2 million people in one week uh, with six point some the next week. Um, it's just like you realize it's not we're not talking about a recession here in classic terms. We're talking about it's just a shutdown. It's just like everybody's out of work all at once. Turn the lights out, um, and the let's let's, let's the the world's stopping, and and it should. And there's a whole lot of good reasons for it, but it's it's shocking and um, creates, a, like you said, it creates a lot of anxiety because nobody knows how long this is going to go on. Where you know we're all sort of. I don't know if we're desperate for information, but we're kind of desperate for information and, and understanding of, of what's involved and what we should be doing, what we can be doing. But even the infrastructure can't support it. I mean, how many no. my girls can't even get through to unemployment to complete their application? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I've been going through, uh, you know, in my business, going through some of the SBA stuff and it's the same thing. You know, the, uh, the, these things get passed so quickly and as they should be, but then the banks don't know really how to deal with them and they're setting up their forms or they're setting up the, you know, send me a paper form, send me an electronic form. They, they're trying to set up their processes for something that they haven't been working on. You know, they don't, you know, so it's all kind of new to everybody and it's, it's, it's been, it's been nutty. I feel um, like all those applications, it's like trying to change a tire on a car that keeps moving. You know, that's that, a good image, actually. I like that. That's 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 that feels right. Yeah, uh, like applications were in theory opening on Friday at 10 a.m. Yep. Money the banks were not yet accepting at 11:30. My bank sent me an email saying, "Oh, we have a new application for you." Right, and it's oh, a whole it's okay. a whole different series of questions. Yeah. You know, and mine, the one I filled out with my because uh, Heather, my wife. Uh, has one bank and for her business and I have a different bank for my business for whatever reason and they're it's different the process is different for each of them and the forms you have to fill out are different and um, you know it's a lot of the same questions but not exactly the same and it's so it's 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 the uncertainty that makes you a little anxious about it all you know yes the other so, that's making my friends in the dental field and I crazy is a lot of those applications work well for somebody with decreased revenue. They can keep their workforce on at reduced pay or reduced right. hours. They're still functioning. Right. We're closed. Right. 
So with the triple fee loan, the you have to spend it by June 30th. Well, yep. we don't know if we're even going to be open at June 30th. Right. Right, right. now, some like um, Oregon has a July uh, start date or you know targeted date. Pennsylvania mm -hmm. has July one. Like we, mm -hmm. we just don't know. We we just right. don't know. Right, and, and I think you know, we're all Type A controlling. <laughs> People. So when you throw all of these variables in, it's led to a lot of um, like a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of um, mental and instability, and that's a completely different topic. But right. Right. Well, and that goes to just you know what it's like to be living at this time too. Set aside the business implications of everything. Um, you know, going out to the store to pick up a few things that you need in the house is uh, can be an anxious situation i went you know i've started wearing a mask when i go out to the to the store i don't go often but um you know i go in and, and some people are wearing them some people aren't it's crowded sometimes it's not crowded other times it's people don't seem to know what they should do with themselves it's true you know the online grocery delivery to get a slot their thing is harder than winning lottery um, but most people have turned to that. Yeah. I, um, I shop for my parents and for my aunt and uncle and for me and mm -hmm. I go to our little local grocery store and I have my little mask and my gloves. They're pink. Right. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and I counted how many people were in the store and it was last, it was a week ago at around 1130 right. and I counted 15 shoppers yeah I think everyone's so freaked to go that yep. um and you're right who had gloves who didn't have gloves who had nothing who had a mask who had on like full body hazmat suit right you know? right. Uh, right and I think I think things are a little bit different up there compared to here in in central Florida we have uh uh we affectionately refer to it as lawless Florida <laughs> and, uh, people just kind of they, they don't like to be told what to do yeah uh, so we are our county is I think the 13th worst they were they were tracking cell phone activity and, and locations oh. and we're, we're like 13th worst in the nation as far as like staying close to home um, so <laughs> that makes me feel good right so uh, and with everything so kind of hot up there in the New York City and surrounding areas um, you know, uh, how, how is it up there? Are people mostly staying home? Or are they not staying? You said you're shopping for your parents and your aunt. So, um, I live 20 miles outside of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And we're known as the CEO ghetto. It's a big train line commuter into okay. Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty scary. Uh, my county is the second highest county in New Jersey. In two weeks, my little town went from two to 80 which doesn't sound like a lot but in two weeks that's a lot most at first when the schools were uh no longer in session it took the teachers and the school boards a few days to get the curriculum up which mm -hmm. is totally understandable yep. and unfortunately shelter in place was not in force at the time yep. so if you drove by chipotle or yep. starbucks there were packs of 60 80 kids all yep. inside which was not very helpful. Um, and that first week, it was really hard. And then there were the next week, there was the announcement of, it was beautiful weather. 
there was the announcements of you cannot all be playing on the baseball field and playing tackle football and right. playing cross. And then after about 10 days and they started seeing the numbers really start skyrocketing mm -hmm. in the city and out here. And it really became, this is not a joke. This is legit. People started listening a lot more. And for the most part now people are hunkered down. They right. still do take out, but there aren't many people out and about. I mean, we have everything closed. There are no nail salons open. There's, right. you know, liquor stores are open, restaurants <laughs> are open, essential, but there's not a lot that's essential. And right. people really are listening. Yeah, we're kind of like that now. It's, it's starting there. Uh, as the numbers go up, people get more serious about it, which is kind of unfortunate. But that's the thing. You know, you said you went from just a few to like 80, and it's that, it's that exponential curve. Mm -hmm that I think a lot of people just don't understand. I was talking to somebody yesterday uh, who I always thought of as a math person and, you know, just not wanting, I don't know, not, not wanting to believe it or not understanding what exponential means, but it's like, it, it goes up slow, 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 fast, and then it spikes. And that's how these things work. And they're, they're, that's, that's one of the scary things about it, I think. So my brother is assistant medical director at Bellevue Hospital in New York City. Mm -hmm. They um, top trauma in Manhattan, NYPD, or if anything happens to the Pope or the president, they go to Bellevue. Right. And they were the hospital that really handled Ebola. Mm -hmm. And um, I get every other day updates from him. And as he said to me, We've clicked, you know, this was two weeks ago. We canceled all elective surgeries. We've released as many patients as possible. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to make sure that we stay ahead because these numbers are really going to just explode. Right. And from their planning perspective, they were treating this not like Ebola in numbers or an outbreak like that, but more like a mass casualty where you're floating along, you're floating along, and then all of a sudden you're just inundated. It's a capacity issue, or it will be. Correct. Yeah. At the fact that they planned that way is the he, the he credits is the only way that they are three or four days ahead yeah. of, at, at any given time. Yeah. It's, it's really it's, been exhausting. They've taken old patient rooms that were converted to admin rooms and converted them back to patient rooms. Right. Um, their amount of switching and repositioning and repurposing has really been legendary. Right. And, um, and I'm sure many hospitals are like this, but I, I hope that a lot of this is recorded and written and taught because right. we do need to learn from this. We don't know if this is going to be our new you know, our new world with, with new viruses popping out. Well, even they were talking yesterday, uh, depending on how this gets, I don't know, gets resolved, it, how this resolves itself, because it doesn't get resolved. It gets, you know, a virus kind of resolves itself sooner or later. And um, it may, you know, there's a possibility it could come back as a seasonal uh, virus. There's a possibility it might not. So there's still, there's again, all the unknowns. We don't really know how it's going to work out. And that's why I mentioned to you, I'm, 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 I'm still searching for a, you mentioned, a, you gave me a recommendation, but I'm, I'm looking for a historian, somebody who understands the 1918 flu pandemic, just to talk about, you know, what was the history of that? What did people go through? What was it like? And then how did it eventually, you know, 
mutate yeah. and find its way out of the world. Um, but uh, you mentioned your folks. You mentioned your fo- uh, you're, you're you're nearby your folks and your aunt and your uncle. I, I am. I'm I'm very close to them. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I they're have. All, they're all doing well. They're all fine. They are. I have a. 86-year-old father and a 77-year-old mother who usually are quite quite stubborn, but I think between my brother and me, <laughs> they are hunkered down and listening for the first time. <laughs> Good. It's a hard one. Hard to raise parents. It's, um, it's a hard one. I spent quite a bit of time on the phone this morning with my mother, uh, who's been wrestling with her computer since all this uh, shut down. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go over and help them with that too. Um, <laughs> she does all right. It's been uh, it's been interesting because I think the telephone has always been been there, but my parents are big on FaceTiming now. Oh, cool! That's and fun. With my niece and nephew in Virginia, and yeah. you know, it's it's like a new norm. I can't yeah. say they're up to Zoom, but they. Um, <laughs> They at least are doing that, and visit when I visit, it's you know through the doorway and delivering, and I'm not really in their house because I do interact with more people, not any, but you know when I go to the store and stuff. But that's about it. But um, I do think that they are listening. The bigger concern is where many live together, nursing homes or you know um, communities where they really rely on other people coming in because that's where you do need AIDS and the AIDS, many of them are just moving in 24 seven because right. it's safer that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, and, and I see people, maybe it's, I don't know if it's just down here or everywhere, but we have people who sort of, like I said, I don't know if they don't want to believe it or uh, you know, they just, in their nature don't don't like to believe things that come from places of authority so they they oh that's not really going to be that bad or whatever and it's like this you know if you don't do the right thing this could be really really bad i think all of us felt that way at the beginning right uh the last weekend in february uh i was it was my mother's birthday so my Mm -hmm. brother and my sister-in-law were out and all of us were having dinner and we had at that point we knew it was coming and we Mm -hmm. very you know, good conversation. I was like, Joe, what do you think's going to happen? And he's like, well, we're preparing, but we really hope this wasn't going to be as bad as it was. But then again, we didn't think Sandy was going to be as bad as it was either. It's true. So, you know, you prepare for the worst, you hope for the best, and you don't want to be, you know, negative Nelly all the time and think, you know, know, everything, the world's coming to an end, but. Well, Yeah, I mean, it's what I've, I've been trying to communicate to my clients and, and recommend to them in, in this time is is the, sort of the best thing you can do. Um, and this is sort of swinging off the business now, too. But I think it it, it applies to this is you really want to communicate calm authority. Right. So right. you want to communicate. I, you know, we're we're prepared for this or we're as prepared as we can be. If you don't know something, you say we don't know it, but we're we're trying to figure it out we're doing our best to figure it out you don't say everything's fine when it's not fine you don't you know and all that and that's and that's the same you know i've been saying that for crisis communications for businesses it's like the best thing you can do is uh is communicate that you know we're we have a plan we're following the plan it's working um this won't last forever and when it's when it's over we'll be back in business and and moving along 
And, um, you know, uh, I'll ask you, how are, how are you dealing with a lot of, I see you do a, a fair amount of social media, uh, communication to your patients and, and, and some, some fun stuff, not just, um, right. crisis stuff and, and, you know, what, what are you doing and how are they responding? So my, um, it's very interesting. I work you know, I'm a pediatric dentist and an orthodontist, so mm-hmm. I have the adults as the parents and some mm-hmm. of the patients, but most of it is my, are my, are my children. Mm-hmm. And I have a sign in my office that says, uh, when a child experiences chaos, it's up for, it's our job to communicate the calm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really how we try to be. So yes, I've tried to be there with postings every day um, on Instagram and Facebook. About once a week, I send out an email. We're here for you. Even though we're remote, if there is an emergency, you call me, you text me, you email me. You know, I am always here um, and you can always reach me. And I had a lot of parents say, thank you. Um, We won't violate it, but just knowing that we can reach out and get you provides great calmness. Uh, Our content has been a little different than most. Um, We do try to provide positive um, images and sayings, some of which I think I did steal one from your wife. (laughs) (laughs) So we're even now. That's good. It's fair, (laughs) fair game. game. But we also have tried to provide activities for the children as they've lost their structure and how Mm -hmm. to work on positives. You know, we talked about uh, chalk art on on the driveways and how when you do take your walks, you can see this and be empowered. We talked about uh, one that's going up today actually is putting colored Easter eggs or pictures of Easter eggs in your windows. And as you walk around, go on an Easter egg hunt and count how many Easter eggs you see so that we do find our regular traditions in this chaos time switched. Um, and coming up with, you know, positive, what was your favorite thing about today? You know, find the good in this, you know, we've right. come, we've been so overscheduled for so long that now we have this time. So try to make the memories and we're never going to be perfect. You're never right. going to be the perfect teacher, the perfect homemaker, the perfect cook and all of that, but try to do the best you can at whatever you're really great at. And that's what your children are going to remember. It doesn't have to be perfect. Right. And so that's kind of been our message. I've tried to avoid using COVID-19 or any specific, because I think that just brings up the heightened, oh, you know, the heightened crazy. Right. I think, I think, you know, and, and that idea of calm is, uh, you know, calm confidence is a, is an important one, I think. And, you know, with time, and that's something I'm doing in my, on my own, business is, is taking the time because I have a lot of a, a lot of clients have decided not to spend on what I do right now so <laughs> I'm trying to come up uh, with other things and other approaches and pivoting and trying to help is, is what I keep asking myself every day is what can I do to help um, and uh, and what I'm doing to help me is is take the time to think about you know, what's next, you know, and what, what, how things are going to change going forward. Mark Hyman, who is very big in integrative medicine, he's a physician, but he's up with the uh, integrative wellness group up mm-hmm. in uh, Canyon Ranch in uh, Massachusetts, had a great webinar talking about not only nutritional supplementation, but also, 
you know, meditation and all of that, but you need human contact with, mm-hmm. with face, face value. Right. So whether it be Zoom, whether it be FaceTime, he was really advocating that that helps reduce isolation. And that in today's day and age, the studies have shown that that's really very necessary and it helps keep spirits up. And he was advocating Zoom parties or happy hours, you know, uh, with different groups of people. And many people that I know have said they've spent more time reaching out as opposed to just texting than Mm -hmm. they ever have before. Part of it is because they have the time. Right. Part of it's also because they feel the value or they saw the change in the person with whom they reached out right saw that light you know brighten up right even online workout um places they have you know recorded classes or streamed classes and they Mm -hmm. found the feedback from their community was just huge and that was one of the things that i'm also trying to push is just community we're all in this together you know, healthy foundations for bright futures is kind of my tagline and our goal, but it really is, you know, we're here for you. If you need toilet paper, you know, if you need (laughs) this, if you need that, um, you know, my friend's birthday was in March and I had just received the monthly, I have auto delivery on toilet paper and she couldn't find it in the stores. So I brought it to her and she said, this is the best birthday present I've ever had. <laughs> it's so, the weirdest thing, right? Our you know, priorities all things. have changed, you know? And they have, they have. <laughs> well, and that's, that, it's really one of the reasons I started, not so much that I, I've had this idea to do this series of, of conversations. So the idea was to originally to talk to, you know, ideally business owners, small business owners on what are their challenges? What, are, what, what was your history? What was your dream to get into this? And, uh, and when all this happened with the, the outbreak, I thought, well, there's so many things that they're dealing with that they're not normally dealing with. You know, like I tell my son, uh, you know, Aiden is 10 years old and he has a million questions. And, and uh, I have to keep reminding him that we've never been through this. I, you know, I don't know the answers to a lot of these things. Because, you know, the closest thing we've had is the 1918 pandemic. And, you know, we don't know a lot of that history. You may um, think we're old, but we're not that old. We're not that old, no. So, you know, the best, I, you know, the best advice is, is, again, be calm, pay attention to, you know, what we're being told by the experts and, and, um, and follow that. And, and we presume everything will be okay on the other side. But uh, it's, it's a tough one. One of the things that I've struggled with most and how to make it better is the special needs population, which Mm -hmm. is a very, very large part of my office. Um, And as hard as it is for our neurotypical patients, the lack of routine, the lack of um, occupational therapy and all of the different services that they receive is really felt. Mm -hmm. And there's even more pressure on these parents to provide everything. And it's, unachievable goals. And so those are the families that I really struggle with how to create such a difference or even any difference with them um, during this time, you know? So uh, April is autism month. Tuesday was uh, April 2nd, it wasn't Tuesday. It was uh, April 2nd was a lighted up blue day Mm -hmm. where, you know, to raise awareness and Usually we have many bigger things in our office to address this. So we're trying to do it online with all yeah. of our 
different people as you've seen, but um, it's really those, that is the section of the population that really is struggling, not that others aren't, but they need their community. It takes a village. It really does for, for these, these children, these families. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's hard for, for all of us, any of us to deal with change in any way, shape or form. I mean, look at even Callie mm -hmm. and um, it's, too, you know, yeah. And, and so now you're in a population of people who, who, you know, part of their diagnosis is difficulty with change. Um, that's, that's got to be a challenge. And, and your business is so funny because it's, it's, you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't think of the dentist or the orthodontist as a business, but it's a business and you have, you know, your customers are patients and, but so much of what you do um, and having been to your practice and seen how you work with people is, it really falls into that, that helping area. You know, it's like, it's, you're really trying to, make an impact with these people who need, you know, help, assistance, contact, all that stuff. And it's so, and especially with the kids, it's so much different than, you know, adults, you're dealing with, you know, fear of the dentist, kids, you're dealing with all sorts of other things too. So it's interesting because I basically violate every single one of your senses as a dentist, you know, I, I <laughs> our, you know, our, like what we do is not exactly a lovely thing but it's my job to make something difficult easy while still getting everything that needs to be done done right and some days um everything goes right and some days everything goes wrong and most days it's a mishmash of all of that sure and you learn and what works one day on one patient may not work the next day on the exact same patient. Yeah. And so it's a constant moving, which is majorly why I love what I do because I love figuring out and helping. Right. And I do um, thrive on helping children. A favorite part of my day is when someone says, I love coming here, or <laughs> I really thought that was gonna be hard and you made it so easy, or I'm so proud of myself. That's really the best one for me is I'm so proud of myself because I've helped them get through something. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's um, as I always say, we say in our office, it's team Carter, but it's really right. not about me. It's that my team is there for you. Right. And, um, you have a whole team behind you. And it's, uh, it's, very, it's very different. Um, and I mean, you've seen with Aiden how we, we do things. Um, I can I can attest to all of that because I, I, all of that is absolutely true. And he loves coming to see you uh, to the point of, you know, we, we, we're in Florida, you're in New Jersey, and we come up a couple times a year specifically to see you. So that's, you know, that speaks volumes, I think. Uh, how, how long have you been, how long have you had your own practice this way? I've had my own practice for four years, but I've been uh, practicing for 15. Yeah. And um, we talked a little bit about you, you had to lay off your staff at the, when you closed on, on the 16th of March. How did, you, how did you communicate that to them? So I, um, it almost sounds like a Sex in the City ad, you know, episode, but we had been in the office and we had spoken and I 
said to them, I uh, going to try to do what's best for you. That that's how, what is my decision here. And a few days later, we had, uh, I had listened to a few webinars and advice from the American Dental Association and the New Jersey Dental Association and different accountants. Mm -hmm. And the consensus was it would be better for our employees to be laid off by April 2nd. Um, and I cried. Yeah. And I didn't want to send an email. And we have a group text that all of us are on. And it became a very, um, like I said, like you don't want to break up with somebody via text, but it was our vehicle. And I couldn't call them up without breaking down. Right. And uh, I sent a text and I explained what advice I had received, why I was making this decision. I apologized that um, I was, my first line actually was, I'm sorry, I'm doing this via text message. Yeah. I'm doing this because I don't want to send an email and I can't call each of you. And I also want my instructions for how to proceed documented so that you could see it and go one, right. two, three, like a cookbook. Right. Um, please follow this because I gave explicit instructions um, to guide them with website links and everything. Uh, and they, um, and I apologize. And I said, this, this is really very hard for me, but I also know that this is what's best for you. Right. How um, do they respond? They, um, they all said, I understand. And we're all going to get through this. And yeah. thank you. So I'm lucky. I, um, you say your staff, I always say staff is an infection. I have a team <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they all had great support. And they said, we understand, we know how hard this is for you, but we also know that you, you know that you're doing the right thing for us right. and we'll be back. And at that time, none of us thought we'd be looking at a May 1 re-entry. Right. We were kind of hoping for, you know, the 5th of May, the uh, 5th of, of April at the latest. And right. um, I, uh, I didn't talk to anybody after I sent that out. I really just went dark for a good 18 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to mourn that action. And yeah. I mean, it's hard. This is, and this is, I, I, thanks for sharing that actually, because that's, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this whole thing is to, is to get that idea of, you know, we're, we're not, nobody's in this alone. You know, we've all, nobody's, nobody's on their own in any of this stuff. Cause we've all, we're all going through the same things that we have to uh, get beyond and figure out how to deal with. These are hard, hard decisions to keep a business running. Cause you got to, in the end, you want to get through on whatever the other side of this, however long it is, you got to get, you know, back in the saddle and start, start working it again. I kept saying you, sometimes you have to take a step back to go too forward. Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and these, and these are not, and, and it helps, I think, for you know people who are you know it's different being the ceo of a multinational multi-thousand employee company uh than it is being the owner of a, a small to mid-sized business where you have you know four or five or 12 or 15 employees because you know them all fit on two hands <laughs> yeah they're i mean they're family you know you know? Yeah. I mean, they're family in a lot of ways and, and, and you, you know, so it's, it's different. Um, when you're making that decision from the corner office of a big building than you are, um, you know, in the day to day with everything.
So, um, you know, what's, what's your, what's your outlook for the future? Um, I think that we, I think we're going to come back and I think this world is going to be a better place. I really do. I'm really hoping that we kind of shift away from materialistic goals and get regrounded into family and nature and kindness. Um, just the fact in New York City, not just in New York City, even out here, there are claps every night at 7 p.m. for all uh, healthcare providers and right. you know, for our police and right. for our first responders. I think right. that we're getting back to what is essential in this world. Right. And everybody is essential and we need everybody, but let's get re let's get that pendulum back to what do we really need and let's just get back to being kind. I do think that business is going to come back. Um, everybody needs the dentist, but not just that. Once we, you know, get our feet under us again and feel a little more safe, I think that people are going to want to go out to restaurants again. They are going to want to travel. All of those needs are there, but um, hopefully we'll have more of an appreciation for everything. So I do think that some good will be found. And I always strive to find the good in all of this. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of my way. I always say you get to wallow for 24 to 48 hours and then pick <laughs> yourself up. Really like old school theory. <laughs> right. But it's true. You know, it's uh, we're going to be okay. Do we have a roof over our head? Do we have food? We're all going to be okay. You know? Right. right. Well, I love your optimism. And uh, I like to say uh, these days, anyway, whenever I say optimism, because a lot of people confuse happiness and optimism, and they're not the same thing. Optimism yeah. is optimism is is more about a uh, touchstone, a, a guiding star, or something, and it's and it's it's about where you're headed, not what you're going through at any given moment. So I uh, I, I appreciate your time, My and pleasure. thank you thank you for talking to me and. Uh, Good luck to you and your staff and everything. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll certainly be in touch. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's yet another uh, optimistic view from New Jersey and, uh, and Dr. Christina Carter who is doing everything she can to, um, to look forward and take care of her employees and take care of her practice and, and get through to the other side of, of what's going on right now. We're going to have some really good insight coming up in the next few episodes. We're going to have some, some uh, insight from California. We're going to have some insight from New York City. And I'm speaking next week to Dr. Susan Kent, a historian from the University of Colorado about the 1918 flu pandemic to see if maybe we can learn a thing or two from that event uh, that we can apply to what's going on right now. Uh, and that's it for today. Uh, thanks so much for listening and be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the StoryForge podcast, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts or we're on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. 
All recording, editing, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of NimbleSmith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces numerous podcasts, including the truly excellent A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. The music on the podcast was provided by Jody Nardone and the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. And if you'd like to send us questions or feedback or suggestions for other subjects or guests, you can reach us through the StoryForge website. That's thestoryforge.com, all words separated by hyphens. Or you can email us at cheers at nimblesmith.com, spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H. Thanks very much.